You are now listening to Creative Masters. This is the podcast where we interview musicians, photographers, directors, comedians, designers, and other creatives to discuss how they got started, how they got past those bumps in the road, and how they built a career off their creativity. So let's get right into it. I'm your host, and I'm Team Double Machine Masters to bring you Creative Masters. Now let's start the show. What's going on, everybody? This is Reggie, a.k.a. Nobody Famous. You're listening to the Creative Masters Podcast. Thanks to everybody who's been listening and rocking with the podcast, rating it, sharing it out each week. We greatly appreciate it. This week for episode 19, we have Lindsay Rush. She is a songwriter. She is a vocal producer. She's worked on America's Got Talent, on um, American Idol. She does a lot of different things, and we have a really dope conversation about her history as a creative and what she's up to now. So in this episode, we talk about her early years and how she got into music. You know, I spent my weekends with my dad when I was growing up, and he was, he's, you know, always been in bands his whole life. And so we would spend weekends just recording. And then we talk about giving yourself the okay and the permission to go after your dreams and believing in what you do. It's really important to give yourself the okay to see the value and the worth in yourself and in your product, whether it's songs or it's a service or whatever it is. Then we talk about success and how important it is to be a good leader. It's so important to, to be a good leader. I mean, whether you're the CEO of a company or you're you know, or not, it's still, you're, it's important to have leadership skills. We get into these things and so much more. So sit back, relax, and be inspired. This is episode 19 of the Creative Masters podcast featuring Lindsay Rush. Famous, you're listening to the Creative Masters podcast. This week, I have a lady who does several different things. She's a songwriter, she's a music career coach, um, a TV producer, and does many other things. We have Lindsay Rush. How you doing, Lindsay? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for coming on to the podcast. Thanks for um, having me. Yeah. So, why don't you uh, give us like a quick, you know, 60 second elevator speech of who you are, where you're from, what you do, and then we'll uh, go from there. Sure. Okay. Well, uh, like you said, I am a songwriter. I am um, I'm a vocal producer. I am a private music career coach, and I also am a producer on America's Got Talent on uh, on NBC on the music team. And uh, basically, I I guess everything started when I was seven years old, and I started writing songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, when I was I guess I was eleven. Uh, that's when I decided I wanted to do A&R and artist development, although I didn't know that those things had names. I uh-huh, did yeah. not until a few years later. But uh, I just I have a very vivid memory of sitting in art class in, I guess, sixth grade. And I was I was drawing a picture of a sneaker. That was mm-hmm. the assignment. And I love to draw. So there was I was there was no reason for me to be spaced out or anything. I was totally into what I was doing. But all of a sudden I had like one of those moments like you see in movies when they get like a flashback and all like they're just attention goes and they have a vision and they you know and they come back and that's like I had I was drawing a sneaker and all of a sudden I got like pulled away in my mind and I just had this kind of realization I guess you can call it like 
one day I'm going to, I want to put together groups and I want to decide, I want to write their songs. I want to decide what they sound like and what they wear. And I want to, you know, do this thing. And, um, then I, uh, I went into, you know, I started working on becoming an artist myself because Mm -hmm. when you're young, I mean, you know, we think of the music business and, the careers that you see are the the only ones you really know about and the ones you see are the artists and you don't see what goes on behind that and um so i started to pursue an artist career but um and ultimately i landed on tour with pat benatar as her opening act and um that one it was supposed to be one gig and turned into four years on tour with her and was awesome (laughs) and uh unexpected but it was awesome and but somewhere during that time, I realized that just my passion and my heart and what I felt was my calling was really writing for other people mm-hmm. and being a vehicle for music that I believe in more than being the artist myself. So that's turned that's, you know, manifested in a lot of ways. Sometimes I write songs for other artists and they put, you know, the words in their mouths that they need to say um, or sometimes I get to provide a vehicle like America's Got Talent for an artist I believe in. You know, sometimes I get to privately work with somebody who, you know, is aspiring or emerging and just needs a little bit of guidance in navigating the business. And that kind of, you know, I guess brings us up to date. And um, I'm just grateful to be getting to kind of do that thing that I think, you know, I believe is my calling and in many different ways. Yeah, definitely. So let's uh, let's unpack that because you said a lot there. So let's kind of go back to when you were seven and you um, wrote your first song because like, my daughter's seven now. Oh. And, um, you know, she's like always drawing and like just singing little <laughs> stuff and stuff and things like that. So what made you decide or like what kind of inspired you to start writing songs when you were seven? Um, I, I grew up in a very musical family and all through my life, no matter where we lived, we always had a recording studio in the basement. Oh, nice. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, like, on my mom, when I was little, my mom sang with a wedding band. Okay. And so she worked on weekends mostly, and so I was with my dad. Um, you know, I spent my weekends with my dad when I was growing up, and he was, he's, you know, always been in bands his whole life. And so we would spend weekends just recording, and, like, you know, I, from, like, literally before I could talk, like, that's what I was doing. And um, so writing songs just kind of was a natural thing. It was just... I actually grew up totally thinking that every adult could sing mm-hmm. the truth. <laughs> I, I think I kind of did too. And then I can't sing yeah. a lick. So I understand. I mean, well, I, cause I, I grew up around the only adults I was really around well, for the most part were my parents' friends who were all musicians. So mm-hmm. I went to school and I knew that not all kids could sing because mm-hmm. I went to school. I was, I knew not all kids sang, but the adults that I knew they sang. So I assumed that's, you know, that was just a thing. And it, it wasn't really a, a choice. It was just kind of something that naturally happened. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. And you remember what your uh, first song that you wrote was about? Right? Yes, I do. What was it, it about? It was called uh, Take a Walk on the Wild Side. Okay. And, yeah. And uh, it was literally about uh, being in the jungle and making friends with monkeys and elephants. Awesome. It sounds like yeah. you could have been in Lion King or something. Yeah, it could be. I guess I missed that, that boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, so, so let me ask you, because, you know, this podcast is about just like creatives and how they turn their creative passion um, into a career and kind of just connecting like point A to B. So what kind of role do you think that that played in your career as far as having like 
you know, studios in the basement and your parents being heavily involved in music and you taking art classes and things like that. How important do you think that was for your career as opposed to someone who might not have had access to those resources? Super, super important because I, I mean, it was very empowering in hindsight. In the moment, it was just normal, you know. I, I, I did play soccer for like three seconds, but that didn't go well. So, you know, I, I, uh, that's what I did. And, um, but it was very empowering and I never, I didn't have anybody in my life who ever made me question whether or not you could do music as a career. Like, I think that, you know, in our society, pe- you know, when you're little, people start asking you from a very young age, what do you want to be when you grow up? And a lot of times kids say astronauts or a brain surgeon or, you know, a rock star or you know, a doctor, you know, a teacher, you know, you know, whatever, all kinds of things. But by the time you're like 10, then you get that question. If you say you want to be a rock star, somebody tells you, OK, but like, what's your backup plan? Or yeah, do you yeah. got realistic? And they kind of beat that out of you real early in life. And I was lucky enough to kind of get out alive, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I held on to that, and I just never questioned. It was, it felt right, and it, it just because it was right. Sometimes mm-hmm. things feel the way they are. Yeah, I mean, I totally understand that too because I've always been just kind of like a big dreamer and like really creative. So it's just like, just the thought. Even like when I went to college and like my first uh, major was actually like management, and I just hated huh. it. It's like I had to change like marketing because at least it was like some kind of yeah, creative. something creative. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I, I totally understand that. It's like, yeah, you want to be something like a rock star. You want to be an actor, an actress or whatever. And then it's like, oh, but what do you really want to be like? What are you going to do if that doesn't work out? Exactly. It, it kind of, it's kind of like a tragedy because it's kind of like putting the, you know, putting out the fire to people's dreams because some people can't really get past that. So no, totally. And it's a shame. And, you know, I think that life is very much about, you know, keeping, you know, keep fighting the good fight and, you know, mm-hmm. following not to say, I, I, I have a habit, just a heads up. I have a habit of sounding like a fortune cookie sometimes. It's just a thing. I'm a songwriter. I guess that's the problem. Um, but you know, I think that people have, they don't follow their bliss. They don't follow their hearts. They, they ignore their intuition a lot because they're so people get, we get so saturated with people really just kind of deflecting onto us their their beliefs about themselves Mm -hmm. just as someone says being a rock star is not realistic well forgive me but every rock star was born a human being as Mm -hmm. far as i know i mean to my knowledge everybody who has achieved or created anything was born human just like everybody else yeah, and I, I totally agree. And it, a lot of time, it is just people, were, you know, um, projecting their own insecurities or their own fears onto you. Or maybe in the past, you know, as they get older in life, they had dreams that they didn't go after. Exactly. So you know, they're trying to put you down as well. So just to make them feel a little better about themselves. But you know, I'm always, I'm really big on just always going after your passion and following that intuition, like you said, because I mean, I think that's the the journey of doing that and the pathway of doing that is like where happiness is, at least for me. Totally. You have to, you know, you can fall flat on your face, but if you enjoyed your time getting there, getting falling to the ground, then at least, you know, at least you have that. I mean, you can, you can try, you can travel in the safe lane too, but there's no success guaranteed there either. Mm -hmm. And it's not, I don't think it's necessarily more risky. I think it's just a matter of your perspective and what you believe you can do. 
Yeah, especially in this day, because even with a corporate job and things like that, like you could still get let go and things are just so more uncertain than it was for generations previously. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, that doing 30 years at one job and having that secure career isn't guaranteed at all either. So you might as well go after what you want to go after. Absolutely. It's so important. Yeah. So let's uh, let's work up to where you said um, you started, you opened up for Pat Benatar and then it kind of built from there. So how did that situation come about? Uh, okay. So, uh, well... The shortest version of that is that uh, basically I I'm originally from Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and I don't know I you know well I used to spend every day just sending like I'd send like 50 emails a day to different venues and you know just trying to get myself booked and trying to figure out who I'd be a good opening act for where it would make sense and I don't know I randomly decided I really I'd love to play the House of Blues in Atlantic City mm-hmm. don't know. I don't know. I just, that just sounded like it would be cool. So I went on their website and I decided to check out who was headlining and if there was anybody I thought I'd be a fit for. Mm -hmm. And I saw that Pat was playing and I was like, you know, I can get up there with my guitar. I think that would be a fit. Um, And so I emailed the venue and mm, professionally nagged them for about two months (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, you know, charmed them for about two months Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, uh, and eventually I uh, did get booked on that one gig. And before that show even happened, Pat's tour manager called me and asked, I guess, you know, I mean, he had seen video and heard stuff and approved it and she had, I guess. And um, and so before that gig happened, he, the tour manager called me and asked how far I could travel. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, my answer was, however far my mom will drive me. <laughs> and uh, so... Uh, it happened to be that she was about to go on her annual spring tour, which was um, it was just up and down the East Coast, which was perfect because the longest drive was like six hours, like Virginia. Um, so I ended up being booked on that entire two week uh, spring tour. And just, you know, my mom and I got in the car and we went from city to city. And then when that was done, when that it was like, you know, when that was getting to wrapping up basically Mm -hmm. I just was not ready to be done I was in love with the experience and um I don't know where I found the wherewithal because I I have most of my life been very shy Mm -hmm. Uh, but I guess passion you know trumps a lot of things and um, yeah and I I kind of marched myself up to the tour manager on my last night and I said, listen, I can um, I can make your summer really easy if you let me live on the bus, on the crew bus. And, you know, I, I don't have a label. I don't have a manager. I have no representation, no backing or anything. But, you know, if you would be willing to let me work as a production assistant um, in lieu of a buy-on mm-hmm. I, and like, let me open all the shows this summer, then I can make your summer really easy and you'll never have to wonder what you're going to get with an opening act you know it's just me and my guitar very low maintenance you know what you're getting one less thing on your plate mm-hmm. and um kind of like i kind of psyched myself out after that and just sort of let myself believe i was simply on a break for a few weeks like everybody else and that i was going out that summer mm-hmm. and i just kind of stuck to that in my head and lo and behold i was on my way to another gig and got a phone call and from the tour manager and said so do you want to go out all summer, live on the bus, and be a production assistant and open all the shows? So I said, yes. That's crazy. So, so let me ask you, because I've had conversations and people have done similar things like that, just pretty much just like 
put their career on a whole new level. So what do you think it was inside of you that made you say, just go up to the tour manager and be like, I want to do this, I want to help you out, and I'm going to provide a service, but I'm also going to get something out of it and whatnot. But what made you you know, just go for it and say it as opposed to just hoping that maybe something would come from the situation? Because hoping for something, hoping for a situation when there's never been even a conversation about it, mm-hmm. that's not it's not likely to happen. I think that I knew it was right in my gut. Intuition is kind of my most important, it's my most valued trait, mm-hmm. and we all have it. It's not unique to me by any means. It's just that I, I've always followed my gut, and the only like mistakes that I have, that I, the only regrets that I feel like I have are times when I look back and realize I went against my gut, mm-hmm. or I didn't follow it, and other than that, every time that I have followed my intuition, it's I've ended up somewhere good. And um, this was one of those times I just, I felt too strongly about it. It like was nagging me. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, when a song, like if a song idea pops into my head, like a m- melodic lick or something, and I don't write it right then and there, and then it keeps coming back like it's begging to be written. Mm-hmm. It's like sometimes things, you're supposed to do certain things, I think, and mm-hmm. this apparently was one of them. <laughs> and so that ended up turning into a few more years. Yeah, and I, I totally agree a thousand percent of everything you just said because I'm the same way. Like, if I, there's been so many times in my life where stuff has come along and I knew I should have done it and I didn't and I went against my intuition and then it just was like a horrible situation. But every time I listen to it, things always seem to work out and, and good things come from it. So I, I totally understand that for sure. Yeah. So um, after the, I was doing my research online and stuff, so I did a little <laughs> digging on you. So after the tour production assistant, um, yeah. you moved into a personal assistant role? Yes. Um, it was during, it was so, sort of during, it was, I, so Pat, uh, and I hit it off pretty quickly. Like I spent the first two weeks basically avoiding her at all costs because I was, was afraid to rock the boat. Frankly, it had nothing to do with her. I was just like, I was afraid to be in the way I had never done this before ever. Like if this was, I had played tons of shows, but I had never been in this environment before. So, um, but we about, uh, like a few weeks into the tour, we had like a tour family crew dinner and we, that was the first time we really got to talk and we just hit it off with all kinds of random weird things like things that she, she, like one of us would say something and the other one knew exactly what we were talking about and nobody else had any idea what we were talking about and we just really clicked and to this day she refers to herself as my other mother and um, yeah, so Basically, that's a big part of how, you know, it turned from, you know, a summer on tour to another few years. And then I went from living on the crew bus to the next year I was living on Pat's bus with her. And um, yeah. And um, so we obviously spent tons and tons more time together. And I was we were sitting up. We used to sit up just the two of us until like three in the morning every single night after the shows Mm -hmm. in front lounge of the bus and just talking we were watching like hgtv and like just or like something terrible like some bad movie and just talking about things and one night like a couple years into this i said you know i really just like i love this but i don't i don't need this for my like soul i guess and i just Mm -hmm. i really want to write for other people and i want to work on the business side and her response was basically well why don't you move, why don't we move you out to California so that you can pursue that path and you can work as my assistant? I mean, that's like the succinct version of it. Yeah, yeah. And 
then I did. I, she moved me out there. She facilitated pretty much everything for me and mm-hmm. um, gave me a job as her personal assistant, which was awesome. And I learned so much. I helped her write her best-selling autobiography and like just really unique experiences. And um, I continued touring with her as her opener for a little while, but I was also pursuing at that point writing for other people and quickly just like kind of making my way around to LA and all that stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I've saw too on there that you were like doing everything from like coordinating photo shoots to interviews and meeting, meet and greets and running errands and stuff like that. Yeah. So what are, how important was that? Um, those three years working as the personal assistant going from that to transitioning to what you um, are doing now, like as far as like learning the music business and things like that, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned from that experience? Well, I mean, first of all, again, very empowering experience. Like Mm -hmm. I, I have been, I am so blessed to have some of the greatest mentors like I could ever hope for in, you know, different kinds of people in this industry who do different kinds of things. And, um, Pat is, has been a mentor to me for like, I don't know, seven or seven years or something like that. And, um, so spending all that time, like we were spending like 10 hours a day together at that point. And Mm -hmm. whether it was writing her book or just like running around and, you know, going from here to there or on the road or whatever, and just being around her, like she's a great, she loves to share and she loves to teach and she loves to like, she loves to tell stories about, you know, Mm -hmm. about, you know, her career and it's amazing. And she's the, one of the strongest people I know, let alone one of the strongest women. And it was incredibly empowering and my, it was great for my confidence. And I mean, not to mention a great talking point, you know, if you walk into a meeting and you say you work with Pat Benatar, people want to know more about that, which Mm -hmm. leads them to getting to know you better, which leads to relationships, which leads to, you know, usually which leads to lasting relationships. Um, so Um, so that time in my life was, I mean, I learned a ton about the way the music business was versus Mm -hmm. the way that it is. And it also enabled me to branch out on my own massively Mm -hmm. and kind of just go after anything I felt that I wanted to or should without second guessing myself. Very nice. Very nice. And then, um, after that, what did you, you moved on to more, um, like what were you writing, doing more songwriting, pitching artists? Mm -hmm. What, What were you doing after that? Yeah. So during that time, like I, Pretty quickly after moving to L.A., I mean, I think like within a few weeks, um, I met Desmond Child, who is one of the biggest songwriters and producers of our time. He wrote like Living on a Prayer and um, You Give Love a Bad Name and I Hate Myself for Loving You. And I mean, right up until, uh, you know, up to Beautiful Now by Zed just last year and like like a million, almost literally a million other songs. So, um, I, a few weeks after I moved there, I ended up, uh, getting booked to sing a demo for him and we hit it off and he became a mentor to me. And so, yeah, so that led to more writing sessions and not just with him, but also with people I met through him and then unrelated and just, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was a really a matter of the confidence that I gained, throughout that time in my life that enabled me to kind of make my way around pretty quickly. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then what were some of the uh, like artists or songs and stuff that you were working on during that time when you started to get uh, mentored by him and started writing for people? Well, um, I was writing, I started to write for, I mean, I started to pitch to basically 
anybody who was looking and, um, you know, started, I had never even been inside a record label. And then all of a sudden I was constantly inside of record labels, you know, meeting and, um, it was, I really developed as a songwriter at that point. And then ultimately, um, my, one of my most recent collaborations that I'm, you know, the most proud of, I think is, um, an artist named Sabrina Carpenter Mm -hmm. who is signed to Hollywood records. And, uh, yeah. And so I've got a song on her record called right now on her first record, uh, eyes wide open. And that was, I mean, it's just been a process of, of evolving, Mm -hmm. you know, and just kind of finding your way because nobody you know, steps off the plane and has success right away. And then again, it's a matter of what your idea of success is because I, I believe in celebrating tiny victories mm-hmm. and I'm watching cookie again. I know, but you know, I do believe in that and that, you know, it's great to have long-term goals, but short-term goals are, are equally important. And it's so important to root just to like, you know, acknowledge your your small victories on that are you know that happen along the way to the big ones because frankly when you have high standards for yourself and for your life and your career the high standards you know like the big goals by the time you get to them you've kind of already raised the bar and sometimes they don't feel as like the bells don't ring they say you know um but so it's you know so I had a lot of small victories along the way you know while I was making my way to the bigger ones yeah, I look at it the same way too. I kind of just always, um, kind of the way I always explain it for myself is like building blocks are like Legos, and like you're just having these different parts of your career, and every little thing, every little victory, you're just stacking on top of each other. And, yeah. You know, getting higher and higher in your career. So, yeah, I mean, that makes total yeah. sense, and it's very, it, it is very important to acknowledge those small victories and those small wins you because they to. they do add up over time. They add up, and you also, I think, if you only wait for the quote unquote, you know, big ones, the big deals, the big breaks, then you don't always recognize them when they come. And it's going to be, it's also going to be, you're going to have a kind of a miserable, seemingly fruitless time on the way there. And, you know, sometimes things don't work out the way that you think they're going to. Sometimes they work out better than you think they, than you ever imagined. And, you know, sometimes they end up differently and good different. Um, But it's just, you have to like you owe it to yourself because it is hard work and it's so much pavement pounding and it's just you have to really like you have to just like pat yourself on the back mm-hmm. every once in a while not linger too long and not you know rest on your laurels at all but you have to it's 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 like that's the only way you're going to be able to keep going mm-hmm. is to feel like you have to feel some success as you go yeah, and I like what you said too, also about like the big victories and things like that. Because when you do get there, sometimes it's not what you expected. So um, it could be different. It could still be good and things like that, but it could still be different from what you have in your head. So sometimes you just got to kind of let go of those expectations and just enjoy the journey and not what it, what you think is going to look like when you actually get to where you're trying to go. Yeah, definitely. Um, so then you um, you're also a music career coach. So from the outside looking in, it kind of looks like you're merging. You know. A lot of your past experience from being a personal assistant to songwriting to singing and everything to help other people. I know you mentioned that earlier as well. So what kind of made you want to decide to start helping other people along in their music careers? Um, Well, so I really do believe that, like I said, being a vehicle for 
music that I believe in and for other people's creativity, I believe that that is my calling. I believe it's my purpose for existing and something you know, it, it comes about in different, many different capacities so far in my career. Um, but I, there are people out there who are so talented and deserve to be successful and they don't know how to get from point A to point B or what point A is even supposed to be. And, um, I, you know, I love the music business so much. I can't even like, I can't, I don't even have words for how much. Mm -hmm. And I've had the blessing of working in a lot of different aspects from A&R to publishing to artist development to being an artist to, I mean, just like kind of, I've had like more than a taste of several different aspects. And I feel like it's because I've been so you know, I've worked really hard, but it's also I've been very fortunate and I've I've had some really amazing people believe in me and support me and stand by me. And I believe in pe in paying that forward. And I think that because of like sort of the the potpourri of, you know, experiences in my career, I, I have a lot to offer when it comes, you know, no matter what somebody wants to pursue, whether they want to be an artist, or they want to write or produce or whatever it is they want to do. Sometimes, you know, people come to me because they want to work in A&R and they have no idea where to begin. And I just, you know, I've got a lot of insight and I have a lot of passion for it. And I think that, you know, it's, I, I really enjoy inspiring people to believe in themselves and their goals and their dreams, if you will. Nice. Very nice. And let me ask you, how important do you think it is to, I mean, when, no matter what the industry is, but say we're talking music industry, so to get like a, a good understanding and get experiences in the different um, aspects of the music business. So, you know, you said publishing and songwriting and production and A&R and everything like that. How important do you think that is for someone who's trying to get to the music business to understand those different elements of it? Super important um, for a bunch of reasons. I mean, for one thing, as you progress and as you as you move along in your career, team building is going to be important because as much, you know, everything is DIY to an extent, no matter who you are and where you are in your career, whether you're just like, whether you're a 12 year old, you know, singer who dreams of stardom to who dreams to be Taylor Swift, or if you are Taylor Swift, mm -hmm. you know, there are, there's an element of DIY and it's important to be able to be in control as much as possible of your career and of your life. And the more, the better your understanding is of what roles are required, you know, in order, you know, what, what's, what's required in order to be successful. I mean, you're going to, at some point you, you may need a manager, you may need an attorney, you may need a publisher an agent, a publicist, a million different things, a producer, whatever. Lots of people are going to come into the picture you know, if all goes well. And I think it's important to know at the very least what those people's, you know, job descriptions are because how else are you supposed to know what you're looking for and what your standards should be? And you need to, you just need to, I think it's important to have a grasp on what these jobs really mean so that you can, first of all, weed out, you know, the people who do these jobs who may not be a right, the right match for you. Mm -hmm. They may be perfect good at the job and just not a fit for you. And you also need to know enough to know what you expect of these people as far as their role on your team. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's extremely important and it is the music business. And I think people forget the second half of that yeah. phrase. They, 
they they get wrapped up in the music, which is, you know, ideally the most important part. But if you want to do it as a career, it's you have to have a vehicle for it. And it's mostly up to you to create that and to maintain it. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I've been in music for a long time as well. And it's like you have to understand, especially if you're like an independent artist or like you said, that you're that kid who's, you know, making YouTube videos now, but are dreaming of making a career out of it. You have to, as soon as possible, start to understand. Because even if you are in your bedroom making songs, there's going to be people who might come along who try to take advantage of you and things like that. So you need okay. to at least be aware of what's right, what's wrong, and what to look for. Yeah. So that way, when you, you know, as you move forward and as you grow as an artist, you're not being taken advantage of. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's good business. You have to understand your business. <laughs> you know, you're, it's like, it's, I kind of, I, I, as far as co when I coach my private clients, <clears throat> I, I compare it a lot to like being a surgeon. It's, you wouldn't walk into the OR and say scalpel if you haven't taken anatomy yet. Mm -hmm. First of all, that's highly illegal. I don't know how you got into the OR in the first place. Yeah, That's yeah. another story. You watch a lot of Grey's Anatomy. That does not count. <laughs> um, you know, but, but you have to know, you have to know the anatomy of your business in order to stay safe and in order to maximize on your potential mm -hmm. and to, you know, dare I say, enjoy your career and your life. <laughs> so that helps. Yeah, definitely. And, and since we're on the, um, the topic of music business and actual business side of it, you said something very interesting that caught my ear. You said um, when you were contacting Pat and trying to get that, or actually that first gig, you said professional nagging. So let's talk about like networking and uh, following up a little bit. So what do you, how do you feel like proper follow-up, I guess, etiquette is when you're like trying to pre you know, present yourself for a potential opportunity in the music business? Um, well, first of all, being as professional as possible as you know as you progress you learn and so I'm sure I could look back at emails from 10 years ago and be like oh my god I can't believe that I said that or I can't believe I emailed that person so many times or something you know but you know I went by my instincts at that time and your instincts combined with what you learn along the way and your experience that leads to you getting better at all things including networking follow up. Um, but I think, you know, it's important to be respectful and it's important. It's really important to know before you do anything, before you bring anybody else into the picture, even potentially, it's really, really important to know what you have to offer and what you're looking to get out of the situation. Mm -hmm. Because one thing, you know, to, to blind call or email somebody you know, or message somebody now, you know, it's it, without having a reason, without knowing why you're doing it, the why is so important in everything. You know, it's, you're not going to end up getting your waste, you're, you're wasting the opportunity because you can't, first impressions are lasting. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's a waste of the other person's time, which is disrespectful. So, but you're not going to maximize on what you could potentially get from that situation and how that relationship could potentially evolve um, along the way if you don't know what you're going for in the first place. And then it's a really important to know what you have to offer that person because, frankly, it's just human nature that we, as people, just we kind of care what's in it for us, even if we don't register that. It's, it's important. We're all working and trying to, you know, make lives and make a living, which are not the same thing. But, you know, um, and it's, you know, if you can try to, if you can like in, 
in like fewer words, sort of somehow convince the person of how you can be of value to them. You're more likely to get what you need from them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and just if you're clear about that, then I think that the rest of the game plan falls together. You have like, you have to try not to let emotion get in the way as much as possible because it's an interesting, it's an interesting industry because especially being on the, if you're on the creative side of it, you're mixing like um, passionate people, mm-hmm. you know, borderline, let's say emotional people, you know, with people trying to navigate a multi-billion dollar industry. And those things don't seem like they're a match, like they would mix very well, but they can because passion, like I said, does really override a lot of things. You just have to use your head while you're doing it and be strategic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I like what you said too about providing value. And I think it in any business it comes down and just in life in general like you want to you know if you want to be successful in what you're doing you do want to add value to those around you so they want to be around you they want to work with you and and hire you or or whatever the case may be so yeah and then i mean and the rest of you know what you may present from the start the rest i mean everybody has more than just one thing to offer Mm -hmm. and that you know you you offer you provide yourself you have a better shot at providing yourself many more opportunities to show how you could be valuable if you start the relationship off right. And a lot of that has to do with respect and turning the tables and just sort of looking at it from, you know, if you're going after a certain person for a certain reason, knowing your why, knowing your purpose and doing it is super important, mm-hmm. but knowing what that person might need from you, that's, I mean, it's, it's a competitive world, not just this industry, but in general. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just your value is is going to be really important in biding you more time to build the relationship too. And I think it also goes back to um, you know Pete we just talked about a few minutes ago about being prepared in the music industry and knowing the music industry. And that's the same mm-hmm. as with relationships. Like you can find out a lot of information about people and what they're looking for, or what they need, or you know you have to train yourself to kind of look for opportunities in a situation of what somebody needs. So that way when you present it to them, they're like, oh, I never thought of that. Just like you did even with, um, you know, being a production assistant and then it worked yeah. your way to being a personal assistant, things like that. So if you could see those kind of things and you present it to them as a way of adding value, then it's going to be beneficial to you as well in the long run. So Definitely. And, you know, it's really, it's, it's really important to give yourself the okay to see the value and the worth in yourself mm-hmm. and in your product, whether it's songs or it's a service or whatever it is it's okay to acknowledge that you have worth, yes, you know? Sure. Yeah. Cause I mean, even if you walk around and you don't feel confident in yourself when you're presenting what you have to offer, people are going to read that and pick up on that. So they're not going to feel confident in you doing the job either. So definitely. So American Idol, you worked uh, as a talent scout on, on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I worked briefly. I worked on the last season of American Idol and, um, that was just awesome. I mean, it was it was so cool to get to be. It was an honor to get to be a part of the very last season ever of that show and its legacy, and just to get to be a small part of it. And I was basically a field scout, and um, I just you know I did some uh, you know I I helped with the casting on that, mm-hmm. uh, and then that led to you know bigger, greater things yep. shortly after. So Such it was America's very- Got Talent. Such as America's Got Talent, yes. All right, so what do you do, what do, you do on that show as a, a talent producer? We kind of just uh, yeah. share with us what you do in that role? Yes. 
Yes, definitely. Um, well, I specifically work on the music team. Mm-hmm. Um, so Simon Cowell, um, you may be aware, um, listeners might be aware that uh, Simon, well, Simon created the Got Talent brand, that franchise. Um, this is his first, this past, we just wrapped season 11, which was his first season actually being a judge on the show. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, with the ending of American Idol and his new presence on the show is very important to sort of, you know, make music a, even more of a focus than it's ever been. And some great music acts have come out of it before. But um, for season 11, they decided to bring in some people with specific music backgrounds. Um, so I was, I'm one of those people. And uh, I basically, I, I develop, I scout, I create projects. And um, yeah, I kind of get to like, mix up everything I've ever enjoyed doing Mm -hmm. in one situation and then get to put them on that giant stage. You know, if all goes well, like they end up on that stage and it's, it's, it's honestly, it's been kind of a moving experience. I, I, I was so grateful for the opportunity from the very beginning. And then as the show started airing, and, you know, as things evolved, then, you know, the taping started and it started airing. And then we just had the finale a few weeks ago in L.A. And um, it's just it's kind of like I my mind is blown because I was so grateful from the beginning that I didn't. The fact that my level of gratitude surpassed my level of gratitude mm-hmm. from the like, I just couldn't imagine that even happening. And then it happened. It's just been it's amazing. And it's, again, it's like this opportunity that I think fulfills my calling to be this vehicle, to provide, to provide a vehicle for really deserving people who work really hard and just, this is the avenue that, that they belong in. Yes. Very, that's very dope. So yeah, I mean, it seems like it's very, a very rewarding experience. Um, but what were some of like the biggest challenges that you've had working on these shows, you know, over the last few years um, that you had to overcome and what did you learn from them? Ooh, okay. Um, well, honestly, one of the biggest challenges is kind of containing myself. Like, I just want to, I want to find, I have this hankering to find, like, every should-be star that there is in music. And kind of having to, having to kind of discipline myself and not go to all hours of the night. And I, that sounds, like, super lame, but it's the truth. One of the biggest challenges was kind of saying okay you've done like you've done enough for today and tomorrow you can do it again Mm -hmm. and you know a clear head is super important um and also you know it's difficult when you know it's difficult to be a part of the process when you know something doesn't pan out whether it's somebody I really believe in or somebody that you know you can tell really wants it and isn't just isn't quite ready but you know, it's if it's if it's a person's true passion and path, then you just have to keep pursuing it. And so, it's great to be in the position to you know to be able to be constructive throughout the process. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very nice. Um, so, since you are a talent scout, say there's somebody out there who's listening, who's like a songwriter, singer, songwriter, or something like that. What are some of the traits that you look for um, in an artist who has that potential star power? Um, I mean for. So, you know, 
honestly, it's a, it's very much about a feeling. I have there's a feeling that I get when it's like unknowing when I hear something or see something, but it's also about how seriously you take yourself. And there's a fine line between taking yourself too seriously and not taking it seriously enough. Like I go back to what I said before about people forgetting the second half of the term music business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you are going to be taken as seriously as you present yourself basically. Mm-hmm. And you have to, I mean, you have to be talented. It's like, that kind of goes without saying, I think, but talent is so subjective and ev- people have different tastes in things. And, um, but for me, it's, I, for me, I, I, I love it when I know a person's being honest whether they're singing an original or they're singing a cover, if they're telling a story, like if they're covering a song, which we, you know, we do a lot on America's Got Talent, we encourage covers and it's about making them your own and showing who you are as an artist by taking a song that exists that people know and doing it the way you do it. Not the, cause we've already got a Kelly Clarkson, you know, we don't another one cause we, she's Kelly Clarkson's doing a great job being Kelly Clarkson, yep. you know, we, we don't need to, um, but we may need you. And so it's about, you know, when somebody is true to themselves and they are passionate and basically they have like a, there's no plan B kind of a vibe about them. That is inspiring to me. And it drives me to want to help that person. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big deal to me. So I always say honesty is the best policy, Mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm referring to basically covering songs or writing songs, you know, um, do telling stories. When you cover a song, I don't care if you're singing about what the original artist or writer was singing about I at all. I care that you know what you're singing about because the number of covers of like Chandelier, for example, that I have heard, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous because so many people don't realize that it's a song about alcohol abuse. Yeah, you know, They think it's a party song because they're not listening to the story they aren't paying attention and Mm -hmm. it's as a songwriter it's a jab to the songwriter Sia you know struggled and had to get to the point where she could write put it into words and write the song Mm -hmm. and it's so powerful when she sings it because it's true you know but you can sing Chandelier about not an alcohol problem you can sing it about anything you want that's true as long as you're telling the truth when you're telling the story, mm-hmm. you stand a better chance of hooking people in and gaining fans. And by fans, I'm also referring to myself, I, supporters. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, I need to be able to really get behind anybody that I attach my name to and that I offer the platform to or any platform. Yeah, I think authenticity is very important, um, especially when it comes to music. Because just you could you could see it, you could hear it uh, when somebody's not being authentic. Totally. I mean, I always say people won't buy it and they won't buy it. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to pay for it and I'm not going to believe you. And um, I just think that, I also think that music is not supposed to be a self-indulgent thing. Like there's nothing wrong with sitting in your room and writing songs and you know playing music for yourself. If that's where you want it to begin and end, if it's just for you, there's literally nothing wrong with it in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But if you intend to make it a career, it's much more about giving than receiving. Because I do believe that you get what you give mm-hmm. and you will receive everything that you want and then some if you're if you're generous with yourself mm-hmm. and like with your spirit and everything when you're sharing through song. So I think it's important to be authentic and true to who you are. 
Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I want to circle back because you had mentioned gratitude and, and, and America's Got Talent, how mm-hmm. um, you know grateful you were for the opportunity and things like that. And it kind of made me think back to when, because I actually used to live in L.A. as well, and I was like um, hustling, just doing all the music stuff at night, but then working like a day job and just little things. I used to keep like, just for me to keep focused on like being grateful for what I had at the moment, even though I was like just working part-time jobs and on the bus and just, just really hustling, you know, I would just write down anything that happened during the day that, um, you know, to be grateful for. Like one day I went in the Foster's freeze and they gave me like a free ice cream. So I wrote in my gratitude journal. So what, uh, how important do you think it is to just like practice gratitude and keep track of, you know, what you actually do have along your way as you're working towards bigger and better things? Um, probably among the most important things, if it's not the most important thing, it's, you know, Oprah, I'm going to paraphrase, but Oprah, you know, has a quote that you may have heard it basically, um, when you're grateful, gratitude turns what you have into enough. And, you know, if you're not grateful, basically nothing will ever be enough, but that's, you know, the gist of it. And, um, it, it's really important because, you know, going back to the small victories and just being grateful for yourself and what it took for you to get from where you were to where you are, even if where you are isn't where you're going, you know, isn't where you're ultimately going to end up. It's it's worth something because, I mean, if let's say you get to the point where then you're writing your memoir one day, if you had no bumps in the road or you had no steps, what that's a very short story. Yeah. <laughs> That is not going to end up on New York Times list. Nope. That nobody wants to hear about your happy, sti- like stories skipping through life, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And it's there's so much more to be learned anyway and gained in struggling. And mm-hmm. but I think that it's important to to just be grateful for everything, giant and tiny, and just to be grateful for things that you yourself like qualities within yourself mm-hmm. and for things outside of yourself. It just, I think it's the most important thing. And I think a gratitude journal is awesome and, you know, making gratitude lists. And it really, it also is an amazing pick me up that kind of works like it's a surefire thing because everybody, even the most successful people in the history of the world have had times when they feel like, you know, failures or they're just not where they want to be or they've, you know, you may have accomplished what one person thinks is everything, but you may feel like you've accomplished nothing. But if you can kind of keep track of, you know, what, you know, there's things now that you may have that seem like nothing or very small, but like maybe a year ago that would have meant everything. And that's just progression. So I think it's important to keep track so that you can keep your motivation going and you deserve to feel good as you go. So let me ask you, because this is something I always ask all of my guests, but I'm like really big on a, a growth mindset. So, you know, it's just books, podcasts, audiobooks, whatever, um, all day, every day, it seems like. So what are some things that you do to grow not only as a person, but also in your professional career? Um, definitely practice gratitude. That's a huge one for me. Um, continuing to just be open to learning about not about the music industry, but not just that, about people in general. Um, and just like kind of learning what it is to be human is so important because, again, fortune cookie, here I come. Like, you know, everybody is fighting a battle that you know nothing about. And I think that there are so many misconceptions people 
rub each other the wrong way all the time just because, you know, they misinterpret somebody's reaction or somebody's, you know, mm-hmm. resting face or, you know, their words or their tone. And it has nothing to do with you. And it, it can either drag you down or it can, you know, it can just be something that you that helps you be more compassionate and realize, you know, you're not the only one struggling or that maybe somebody is struggling where you're not. And I think that, you know, something that's really important to me is to just really be open to learning about people more and more and more because there's always going to be more to learn. Um, And I guess, and just, I mean, just making sure that I'm being creative, Mm -hmm. no matter, like that comes in so many different forms, whether I'm like, it's writing songs or it's, I mean, it could be as simple as like a DIY project. I'm a huge fan of like spray paint and like, you know, kind of, kind of always have some kind of lame project going on, but you know, I go through phases like that, but just, just anything that gets that part of your brain working. And sometimes when it's not directly related to work itself, it's, it's helpful, but mm-hmm. it's still using that part of your brain, which is important because it's, you know, you got to work the muscle. Yeah, for sure. You definitely got to uh, keep your brain moving and flowing and, you know, putting information in it and trying new things for sure. Cause it's going to help you in your career and just in life in general. So I, I agree with all of that. Um, so let me ask you um, success. So, you know, a lot of times, or at least in the past, like success was, you know, big house, big car, a lot of money, all that kind of stuff. So have you redefined success for yourself? And if so, what does that look like for you? Yes, I have. Thank you for asking, actually. I have. Um, Well, okay, so uh, Ariana Huffington, Mm -hmm. she's been a big influence on me, um, especially more recently. And she, she, she wrote a book called Thrive that came out, I think it came out in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she redefined success mm-hmm. and basically broke success as it's been up until recently. It, she broke it down into two categories, which was, you know, basically money and power. Mm-hmm. And she proposes that, you know, that's not really success if, you're powerful and wealthy, but you're miserable or you're sick or you're tired all the time or, you know, not functioning if your well-being isn't what it might be mm-hmm. um, because that's you can't sustain that. And it's also not really that doesn't it doesn't have to be that way. It's not fair to you. Um, so she so she proposes a third metric is what she calls it, a third way of measuring success, which is well-being. Mm-hmm. And that's broken down into like, you know, 12 different things. But I, I've taken that on as, you know, kind of a personal foundation. I think that it's, you know, money and power definitely are in our society. They are signs of success. But if I'm not well and happy, Mm -hmm. um, I know that I can't be my best self and I then therefore can't do my best work and I can't be the best possible person or teammate for whoever I'm working with. Um, and people, I think people, it's your birthright to be happy and to be well. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to drive yourself into the ground and get like laser focused and tunnel vision towards these goals. But again, when you get to the quote unquote big goals and it like it, you stand a really big chance of it not feeling like such a huge triumph, like the, what you thought it would be. But if you're enjoying yourself as you go and you're well as you go and your life, you know, you're filling your life with good people and and you're 
you're kind of keeping yourself sane. Um, that's really important. That's to me, to me, money and power are nice, but well-being is absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. And it also enables you to enjoy even, you know, as you go, if you're when, before you become like, before your empire is, you know, ultimately what it will become before you are a mogul. Um, if you know, the money and the power may not be there, but you know, or may not be up to your standards yet. But well-being is something that you can achieve and maintain if you really like set your mind to it. Yeah, for sure. And you always hear so many stories just about people anyway who are like in powerful positions or have a lot of money and are just miserable human beings. Yep. So, um, and you can tell you, and it's it's so important to to be a good leader. I mean, whether you're the CEO of a company or you're you know, or not, it's still, you're, it's important to have leadership skills and to be, know what it is to be a good leader. And that doesn't mean barking orders and, you know, you know, proclaiming that you are the boss and, you know, or like that your ideas are the best. It's, it's, you know, focusing on yourself Mm -hmm. is not selfish. It's pretty much, I think it's one of the most generous things that you can do. Um, in regard to anybody else in your life because you'll just have more to give them. Yep, exactly. I'm about to add that book to my uh, reading list. Have you read her book about sleep yet? Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check it out. I heard it on all the podcasts talking about it and it's definitely on my list, so I add Thrive to the list as well. Yeah, she's awesome. Yep. You know, there's so many awesome, just there's so many awesome leaders taking stands for important things right now that are just surprisingly new ideas it's kind of sad that well-being is a new is kind of a new concept but like it's kind of important so yep Not- it seems like we're always just trained to you know work 18 hour days and barely sleep and yeah stab people in the back for like the longest time so i think it's definitely more about relationships and and yeah. add, adding value than than the other way around but um and, yeah and being able to like be present and mm-hmm. in like in your experiences and in it, wherever you are physically or you know career-wise just it's important to feel like you're there and to experience it or else what was all the grinding for exactly so yeah that's that's very dope uh, so where can we find you on online uh well my website is currently under construction but it is there it's lindsayrush.com but um i am i'm obsessed with instagram love it so i uh it's lindsay m as in melissa rush um and so Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, I believe they are all at Lindsay M. Rush. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I thank I'm you for coming on. Stuff, yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So y'all yeah. definitely be sure to check her out. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. And this is Reggie, a.k.a. Nobody Famous. Until next week, <laughs> peace. So there you have it. That was episode 19 of the Creative Masters podcast featuring Lindsay Rush. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you would, please head over to iTunes and rate us and leave a review. Also, we can be found on Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And don't forget the website, creativemasterspodcast.com. I'm Nobody Famous. I can be found at Nobody Famous on Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget to follow Machine Masters at Machine Masters on Twitter and Instagram. Until next week, this is Reggie. Peace.